Welcome back to Trade Up with TJ, talking all things health, wealth, business, and lifestyle for tradies. Welcome on a great guest today, Jack Henderson. Welcome, brother. How are you? Mate, going very, very well. Going very well. Deep yeah. down, I am still a tradie as well, so it feels good to be here. <laughs> That's good to know. Got something in common with us all. That's all right. Mate. We'll just start off a little bit, as you were saying, when we talked off Mike. Um, just give us a little bit of run back about your background, when it all started, how it sort of started, and we'll dive in from there. Mate, so uh, I guess the, the way that I grew up was probably very similar to most uh, most normal young Australians. Just, a, you know, mum and dad had a, had an older brother, um, grew up in the burbs of, uh, of Sydney, and, um, and mate, as I, as I went through school, sounds like you went through this as well, like you work, you work out pretty pretty quickly that school's not for you. Um, you know, it was, it was, I didn't like the, the way that you learned. I didn't really like that. You know, I had to be around the same people every single day, regardless if I got along with them or not. Um, and naturally when you don't like something, you start to rebel. So mate, didn't, uh, didn't do that badly in, in primary school. But then as I got to high school, I started to go downhill. So I got expelled from one school in year, what year was that? Year eight, year nine. And then I got expelled from the next school halfway through year 10. Um, and make my, my family, so dad, you know, started as a tradie and, uh, and, and worked his way up to turn it up running a, a large civil company, uh, civil construction company. And, uh, and my mum was, you know, also in a similar aspect. Um, so, mate, that, that's what I had the opportunity to do was I got kicked out of school, didn't have a licence, didn't have really many other uh, career prospects. So I just got into into being a labourer for a civil construction business. And that was when I was 15. Um, and then, mate, naturally, as everyone would know who's a tradie listening to this, you don't really get paid if you're a labourer. This is not obviously if you're, a, if you're an apprentice, it's a little bit different. But if you're a labourer, regardless if you're 15 or, or you're 40, you're a labourer. So you get paid the same sort of money. Um, so I was earning really good cash at a very young age. And because I didn't have anything to spend it on, it was, uh, it was building up in the bank quite quickly. And and then, then that, that then led down the path of, well, I've got this money now. What should I do with it? You know, mum and dad were pushing me to go buy my first property and, and mate, the rest is history. <laughs> and then here you are today. And here we are, mate, on the podcast. Yeah. No, for sure. So obviously in saying that, being that bit rebelled in school and going in, would you say that just come from the aspect, like, as you've said, not being around those people, but not wanting to learn how you were being taught as well, like having that always curiosity in your mind? Um, look, man, like, I think when I was younger, no, because I didn't know what I wanted to be, you know, like I was, I, when I was a young kid, I was always very envious and jealous of, of what everyone else had or what I perceived that everyone else had that I didn't. And I don't know why I was like that, but I just was. Um, so I was always like really fascinated in money and like, you know, how do these people, you know, get wealthy and, and trust me where I grew up was not a wealthy area. And what I, what I thought was rich when I was, you know, 10, 11 years old is very different to what I think is rich now, but it was still that concept. Um, and I also, I also really forgot why, cause I do so many of these podcasts and interviews and shit like that. And everyone asked me this question. I'm like, I don't actually know why I didn't like school, but it's funny now as my like brand has started to grow and people have recognized me from where I grew up. Like, for example, I got a, I got a message. I'm going to kind of quickly jump into my message and I'll read this to you on the podcast. Cause I literally got this last night. Um, someone messaged me about a property related thing, but at the end of the message, it said, I believe you went to school with one of my boys and my husband actually tried to stop those boys from hurting you and got abused himself by the other fathers. And I screenshot it back. I was like, fuck, I forgot all about that. 
and then I, I started to think about all these other things that happened at school. So I think it was like, I wasn't super popular. I, I remember I used to be really um, anxious and nervous to go to school as well because of, you know, bullying was obviously a thing. And I don't really like to talk about all that type of stuff because I didn't think about it too much. But I think that was one of the real reasons I didn't like school. Like I just, I didn't, um, I didn't feel comfortable and happy to go to school every day. Like it was a real punish for me to like, fuck, I got to go to school. I got to hang out with all these people I don't like and who knows what's going to happen because you felt like confined into an area. And I remember I, I, last night I was thinking about this, I was going to sleep. And um, one of the things that I loved most about leaving school was the fact that I now had freedom over my life. You know, like I, I was now in charge of what happened in my life as opposed to going to school because you're, you're not really in charge in school. I, I sort of see school as like jail at the end of the day because inside of those four fences of a, of a, of a schoolyard, you're under the school's rules, you're under the hierarchy of, you know, your, the, the, how, the, how the school system works in terms of, um, you know, principal down to assistant teachers or whatever it is. And you're also under the hierarchy of the, um, the, the students, you know, like I'm, I'm not sure about your school, but we always had like, you know, the tough kids in school that everyone was sort of scared of. You had like, you know, the nerdy kids who hung out in the, um, you know, the, the, the library. Yeah. And, and everyone had their place in the school system, right? And it's very similar if you think about like the jail system when people get older. It's like there's, there's a hierarchy inside of that. Um, and I fucking hate that, man. Like yeah. I don't like people telling me what to do. I don't like people having control over what I do. Like I want to do what I want to do. And if I do it well, great. I get rewarded for that. If I don't do it well, then naturally I feel the consequences of that, but I'm the only person to be accountable to it. Um, and I just remember like when I, when, when the principal said like, it's best your son leaves his school and never comes back the last time. Um, I just remember being like, oh, fuck, I'm so happy about this. Cause I no yeah. longer have that feeling of every morning going, oh, fuck me. I got to go back to school again. Yeah. Yep, so it was sure. interesting, man. It was interesting. Yeah, that's crazy to think like, obviously from a young age, you probably noticed to where you are today. As you said, you reflected last night, even as you fell asleep, you've noticed that you want to do it your way or no way, like in a way, but it's knowing that and having that self-awareness, which you have noticed as well, which is pretty powerful in itself. Yeah. I didn't notice it at the time, but now, um, you know, as you get you know more self-aware, you do more personal development stuff, you listen to more podcasts and all the rest of it. You, I'm a really deep thinker about, not about lots of, shit in the world but just about myself and like you know why am i like this why do i think like this why do i act like this why do i do those things why did this happen um yeah and that was that's one of the really big things yeah that's crazy and then sort of wind it a bit forward to say when you bought your first property what was your intention with that like obviously as you said that labor being the laborer the money built up and you Mm -hmm. bought that first property sort of what sort of happened from there did that spark anything or that just yeah so so there was a few things that happened prior to me buying my first property. And then as a consequence of buying it, things happen after that. But the, the main reason I bought it was because, you know, mum and dad were like, Hey, you're the, the hardest thing most people do in their life is like financially is buy their first home. So they're like, you're 18, you've got the money in the bank. Let's, let's go and do this. So that was the first thing, but then leading like all the conversations you have leading up to that, that probably started when I was 16 years old. Then, you know, I'd get interested in like, oh, what is property investing? How does this work? How does a loan work? So then I'm researching online and YouTubing and, you know, all this stuff, reading books as I got a little bit older. Um, and then it wasn't just simply about buying a property, but then it become about, well, you know, real estate can make you a lot of cash. So I like cash. So why don't I just do lots of this? <laughs> um, and then I found a, a mentor 
um, by a guy by the name of Chris Gray, who I had on my podcast only last week. Um, and yeah, man, I just got become fascinated with it. You know, he had an incredible lifestyle. Um, I, I said at the start, you know, what I thought was wealthy when I was young and what I now perceive as being, you know, real wealth is very different. Chris was really the first person I knew on a personal level that had real money. You know, we had yep. the yacht on the harbour. He drove the supercars. He had the big apartment with the views of the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House. Um, you know, he flew first class. Like all of this stuff I'd never experienced in my life where I grew up. And now I was exposed to this. Um, I just become obsessed. And then it become really about how do I use property as a vehicle to make me a lot of money? Yeah. And just kept building and building from there, you would say? Literally, man. Yeah. So yeah. I bought the first one at 18. Um, then it was like, as soon as I had that first one, I was like, fuck, okay, now it's time to get the second. So that was where my focus went. It's like, how do I get the second? What do I need to do? What is equity? You know, how long do I have to wait? And then I bought the second one and then I had two and then I was like, okay, now how do I get three? And then naturally every time you hit a certain goal, you just raise your eyesight and your vision to whatever that next goal is for you. And yeah. um, mate, since that first property at, at 18, you know, it's just been like that snowball effect where, uh, you know, as you get further and further along, it just compounds over time. And, and, um, and I guess that's why I'm probably sitting here today. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. So obviously give us a rundown, obviously getting into the market and buying that first property, like even for the people listening that probably haven't got into the industry or into buying their first home, like even that process, obviously from when you've done it to now would change a little bit, but a bit of your knowledge as well of how getting into the market is good at an early age instead of waiting and waiting and waiting, thinking I need to save, I need to save. Yeah. So mate, when I bought my first one, I, uh, I had no fucking idea what I was doing. You know, I was taking the guidance of my parents. I was taking the guidance of the ANZ bank manager we got the loan of. I was taking the guidance of the real estate agent. Um, you know, it was so many things I was doing that I had no idea about. But, you know, I just I just took it step by step. So um, it hasn't changed too much since when I bought my first one. When was that? Um, 27 now. I bought it 18, so nine years ago. Um, but, mate, like the, the first thing you need to do is understand, well, how much money can I actually borrow? You know, that's the first step. What's your income? What's your expenses? How much money can you borrow? Because without borrowing money, it's almost impossible to buy a property. And then once you've got an understanding of how much you can borrow, you want to understand, well, okay, well, how much actual physical cash or equity do I need to be able to put a down payment on a property? And then once you've got those two things, you've virtually got the two goals, right? Like, you know, how much you can borrow and you know how much money you need to have or save. And then once you've got the money you can save or once you've got the money you need to put for, for the deposit, then it's just a, you know a simple simple uh, conversation with a bank or conversation with a mortgage broker to get your loan approved, and then you're out there in the marketplace. You know it's like it's just breaking it down into steps, and that's what I did. So I walked into the local ANZ in a place called Windsor, which is in uh, in New South Wales, about 65, 70 k from the city. Sat down and and you know give the, the, the her name was Jody. Give Jody all the information at the bank, and she said, okay, yep, you can borrow seven hundred and X thousand, I think it's 730 or 740, I think I could borrow. Um, and you, you need to put down a 5% deposit and 5% is, you know, 38 grand or something like that. And these are the other costs that you're going to have along the way. And then once I had that thing, I was like, okay, sweet. Well, now I know what I can do. Where the fuck do I buy a property? And then obviously, you know, I, was, I had Chris Gray, who I was reading his books and watching him on YouTube. And, you know, that's the guy I listened to. And that's what then guided me to buy my first property in, in, in Coogee, which is a beachside suburb um in the in the eastern suburbs of sydney which is a very different area to i grew up 
I made that was literally it. And then from there, I learned a little bit more to buy the next one, a little bit more to buy the third one, a little bit more to buy the fourth one. And, and I'm still learning today. Yeah. Yeah. Even you mentioned Chris a few times there, like obviously reaching out to him, obviously, as you said, you've read and learned a lot before reaching out. What was that instinct like reaching out and having that feeling of when then he be, did become your mentor to sort of be like, like, like I'm going to get taught off this bloke now personally? Yeah, well, look, it, I think that's the maybe the misconception people have around mentors. Like Chris didn't say to me, Jack, you are my mentee. I am your mentor. Yeah. You know, I was just yeah. like, it was, it was the main person in my life that I sought advice from around that topic. You know, yeah. it was all, and again, this wasn't like every day he's like messaging me and calling me. This is like every bit of content he put out, I consumed yeah. every YouTube video, every podcast, you know, um, there was a, there was a charity lunch that he, he auctioned off and I paid 1500 bucks to go and sit with him for two hours. Like all of these things I did. And I just saw this person as like, you know, essentially my God to, yeah, yeah. to, to make you money. So that's, that's how I saw him as my mentor. And it was funny. Like, you know, he's, he's like, Jack, you gotta, you gotta stop telling people that I was your mentor, mate. <laughs> as a joke. I was like, mate, yeah. it's, a, it's, the, it's the proudest thing you've ever done in your life. Yeah. Um, Cause we're actually good friends now, but that, that was what I saw. And, and I, I have a lot of people message me now on socials as my brand has gotten bigger going, Oh, will you mentor me? Will you mentor me? And you know, I, I don't mean to be rude to these people, but I'm like, I'm like, dude, I've got, I've got no time to fucking spend with my own loved ones, let alone, you know, spend time with people I've got no idea about. And I'm like, yeah. well, I can be your mentor. Go and watch the 5,000 videos that I've posted online. Go and read every, you know, blog post that I've done. Like that, that's the shit you need to do and piece it all together in your head. And then, you know, as someone puts a Q&A up on their Instagram story where you can ask them a real question or someone does something where you can go see them in the flesh, like just commit to doing that stuff. And that's the best mentorship you'll ever get. Yeah. So that's, that's the, uh, that's how, how Chris mentored me. And, um, you know, now, and to be honest, like it, it become a little bit more formal as time went on. Um, but it was still not like this official banner, you know, like he's my mentor sort of thing. It's just, as I've learned more around mentors and advisors and, and, and people who guide you in your life, I've just named it a yeah. mentor. Yeah. yeah. No, that's cool to look at it. Yeah. And obviously you got a, you can get a lot of free content as well. Like, as you said, you've, you've got all your content. If people are asking for your advice, thinking if they're going to pay you, you're probably going to save them in a way as well. Like some people don't accept like, it that way. I put out there and Chris was the same. Like I put out there everything that I'm going to tell you if I was to charge you money, yeah. you know, like it may not be specific. Obviously when I put out content, it's not specific to that individual, but it's specific enough for you to go, okay, well he said that. And he said that on this video and I've read that here. So if I piece all that together, this is what I do. Right. Um, so, and that was the same with Chris, like, man, he had a video on YouTube, um, where he spoke to a CPA, which is like the, the accounting body for, um, probably like an hour and a half was a talk. And I reckon, um, I wish I could find like a place where I could see how many times I'd watched that video, but it had to have been over a thousand times, like no shit. It would have been, it would have been one to two times every probably more than that, actually, maybe like three to four times a week for like three to four years. Cause I was just, I, every time I heard something, it was like, every time I listened to the video, I heard something new and I was like, fuck, what does he mean by that? And he was talking around how we can use equity to buy luxuries like cars and handbags. And I was like, how the fuck do you do that? You know, like I was just so obsessed with it. And yeah, yeah that's, uh, I think that's the difference between people who, you know, make something and, and who don't. So you're, you're yeah. obsessed or 
or you're not. Yeah, hundred percent. With saying that as well, obviously social following, obviously Chris, like when you were getting into it, had that sort of following mm-hmm. and everyone looked up to him and now you're getting to that aspect as your following's growing. How have you sort of, like, if you just putting out content for like the people who are in the social media side of things as well, like, are you just pumping content to just try get followers? Like obviously to good for business as well, but mm. what's sort of come of that? Like, how have you felt when people are asking then you'd for advice as the imposter syndrome kicked in a little bit or not? No, it's pretty crazy. Like it's, um, it got some, I had some acclimatizing to do for sure. I mean, it's, it's normal now, but, um, I started putting out content because Gary Vaynerchuk told me to put out content, you know, like you, I'm not sure if anyone knows who Gary V is, but again, he was like a digital mentor to me. I was like, fuck, I love this guy. Love what he says, love what he stands for, you know, love his concepts. And uh, all he kept saying, and this is another guy I was watching when I was 15, 16, 17 years old, was like, put out content, build a brand, put out content, build a brand, put out content, build a brand. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put out content and build a brand because he fucking says it and he's a lot wealthier and a lot more successful than I am. And if he's saying it, then it works. It must work. And again, it just compounds over time. So the first bit of content I put out in comparison to the bit of content I probably put out after this video, very, very different. A lot more people, you know, watching it now than there was back then. But I just know over the long term, there is nothing more powerful than people knowing who you are. If you add value to their lives, you know, it will come back in spades. Um, And mate, it's like, it's so true. For the first three, four years I put out content, no one followed me. No one really knew who I was. No one paid attention. And the last sort of 12 to 24 months is when it's really started to compound. You know, like there was a, there was a little, I, I started to really pop off on TikTok for probably six months and like people would recognize me in public and come and say hello to me like the overseas and people would be like oh you're that guy off tiktok so like it's you're like a mini celebrity in your space you know and that was a bit weird yeah um but but there's there's just so many benefits to people knowing who you are especially if if they know who you are and think you're a great person and, and you put out great stuff um because brand is is the thing that trumps everything you know like if, if you're Nike, like what's, what's Nike's brand worth? It's, it's, you can't put a dollar on it. And, and there's no difference between a Nike shoe and, and you know, a, a Croc or, or a fucking Adidas or whatever it is. Like there's no difference. It's the same shit. They're made out of the same material. It's just a tick on the side of it in comparison to something else is what makes it different. Um, and it's the same in everything. If you take that concept, you know, there's no difference between most services, no difference between most businesses, there's no difference between most things, but it's how people perceive that brand is what makes it different and, and what makes something cost a thousand dollars and some sort of the same thing cost $10. Yep. Yep. So it's building that personal brand out for yourself and your businesses as well. Cause it's the same thing. I sort of believe so pushing content a bit more these days, but it's like, in the day and age, if you don't have a personal brand now in the next 10 to 15 years, it'll be like, oh, that's something everyone perceives as massive. Oh, man, it's huge. Like, fuck it. I mean, if you think about it now, if you go, if you meet someone, for example, what's the first people, where's the first place you look that person up to see who they are? Someone says, hey, man, this is what I do. I've got this business, blah, blah, blah. You're straight to Instagram. You're straight to LinkedIn and look them up. Like, that's like your your temperature check out of whether this person's talking shit or not. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like you, it's like you, it's like the 2023 CV, right? The, the the more significant they are online, I guess the more significant they are in real life. Yeah. So that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the reality. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And then obviously diving into the wealth side, you mentioned that a few times, and obviously your perception from when you were younger and getting started to now where you see the wealth at and obviously probably the people you're surrounded with now and you're like holy fuck like you can do 
some pretty crazy shit. Like mm. how have you sort of gone and meeting the people probably along the way you have met as well, like perceiving what like the change of wealth is, like how would you determine your outlook on wealth? Like that word, cause it can be. It's interesting. It's interesting. And this is still developing for me, right? Like uh, the reality is I haven't been around it for that long. So I'm still like meeting new people, learning new things. And like my, my concept and perception of what I value as wealth is changing, you know, all the time. Um, you know, like I hang around with fucking really wealthy dudes now, like some of the wealthiest people in Australia, um, you know, and the world actually like that's the, so, so like money and stuff, I've sort of got my head around that it's yours if you want to go and get it. Um, and you will get it if you're, if you're skilled enough and you do the right thing. So, you know, I look at it now at the level that I'm at and it's like, well, the reason I'm not at that next level is because I've got, I need to learn more. I need to do more stuff and I need to probably fail more to be able to get those lessons, which will then give me the skills and the ability that I need then to get to that next level. Cause that's all it is, right? It's like, once yeah. you get to one level, you know, you're not going to get, it's like a game. You're not going to get to that next level and you should go and beat the dragon or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Um, so that's the money side of it. But then I also think, Wealth to me now is like a little bit more well-rounded. So, you know, I know a lot of fucking really rich dudes who are fat, like they're unhealthy. I've got shit family lives and, uh, mate, they're fucking depressed. If they didn't have money, they're probably, you know, one step off not being around. So I don't want to be that guy. You know, like I really value being, I'll, I'll tell you my perception now, I guess. It's like, I, I want, I want people to look at me and go, fuck me, that guy is an absolute animal in all areas of his life. You know, like, you you know who David Goggins is? For sure. <laughs> so I want to be I want to be David Goggins from a health and a fitness and a mindset point of view with the cash of Mike Cannon Brooks. <laughs> that shit's not around, right? Yeah. Like, doesn't doesn't happen. So I, th- I like all that stuff. I want it to all coexist, you know, like it's, yeah. I think it's I, to be a well-rounded person. And, and I've got a good friend, his name's Frank. Um, he, he sort of taught me that like you can be rich and unhealthy and that's not rich because you haven't got your health. Right. And as soon as your health goes, money doesn't mean anything because you can't buy yeah. health with money. Um, but if you're a well-rounded person, like mate, you, your, your life can be pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. You just think money, money, money when you say the word wealth. But like, as you said, it comes from a, lots of different aspects into the one thing, like health is wealth. Um, yeah. And, and, and money is a big thing, bro, because money makes life much easier, you know, yeah. but at the end of the day, that for a lot of people, that chase never ends. So even when you have the money, you want more just simply because, you know, having more money is the uh, reward for becoming more successful. Yeah. Mate, if you go onto the financial rich list right now and look at the top 50 people, I would almost guarantee that I'd beat every one of those motherfuckers in a long distance run, you know, you know, workout, you know, like, so sure they've got cash, but is it really that important when you haven't really got anything else? Yeah. hundred percent. Now, mm. like obviously touching on that as well, and you mentioned that health side of things, obviously talk about your little alcohol free section or not little, it was pretty long actually. <laughs> still going, like, bro. It's still going. No, it's still going. Now. So you're going strong. Yeah. yeah. So no, like no, even... no, no. So, so the, the sobriety this year is not going. That, that oh. finished last weekend. But the, yeah. the sobriety of like continued will yeah, continue. Continue. Yeah. 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 So yeah, even give us a talk about like your aspect into the health side of things as well. Obviously, as you've just mentioned, that is a big part of the wealth side for you. 
So like being alcohol free, obviously coming through construction as well, where it isn't a priority for everyone, but obviously mm -hmm. still having that in instilled in you to know that's part of your values and that's who you want to be. Yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I fucking love a good time. Like yeah. a lot, you know, like, and, and, and my sobriety ended on, um, what is it now? Like Saturday before last. Um, that was my set date that I, I had my, you know, I did it from the, uh, the 22nd, I believe of December last year to, um, the start of December this year, which was like three, I got 337 days or something where that was my time that I wanted to do it. And then I've got three weeks of, you know, partying and drinking and, and having fun. And then I'll go back on sobriety again from the uh, 21st of December this year. Um, but again, like if you, if you drink and all, you know, all the stuff that comes with drinking, like tradies are listening to this, you know, like you don't just drink, right. As soon as you have two beers, all of a sudden you're, you're dipping into the bank account and you're transferring 300 and all of a sudden you get into that. And then that's, you know, everything else comes, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I think I can talk pretty freely about that stuff. And man, it's like, it's just, it's like, has such a detrimental impact on everything. Um, and my goals in my life are way more important to me than some short-term good times. But at the same token, I don't think I could cut it out completely because I do actually have fun. You know, I do enjoy, having a party and, and, uh, and getting loose and, you know, letting go of everything you've got in your mind for that certain six or seven hour period where you're just like super present in the moment. But it's not, it's for me, it's not like something I can do consistently because it, it becomes like, you know, this huge uphill battle where you feel like everything you do is going wrong and your mindset's not there. And, you know, you don't train like you should and, um, just has way more detrimental impacts on your life if you do it consistently than positive impacts. So that's why I just cut it out. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't start with going, yeah, let's do a year of sobriety. I started with doing, let's do a hundred days of sobriety. And that was in 2020 or 2021. Did a hundred days. Um, I like, I run a lot now, but I never used to be a runner. So one of the things that I did in that hundred day period was I wanted to do a half marathon. And at the time, a half marathon to me, and when I say I wasn't a runner, I could run my first run, I think, we used to run from Coogee to South Coogee and back, which is like four and a half, five Ks. I couldn't even run half the way to South Coogee. So like one and a half Ks, I was cooked. So, you know, one of, to, get, to get to a half marathon when I could only run that far was big. You know, and I did that. And then I come off that 100-day um, period. I think it was in the October of 2020 or November of 2020. And then I drank for the rest of that year. And then, you know, naturally I was like, fuck, I feel like shit. I want to go back to being sober again. And then I committed to the year. So then I did all of 21 sober. Um, until the end of the year again, I ran the Melbourne marathon at the end of 21. And that was like my stake in the ground to go, yep, successful year. Let's go have some fun for the rest of the year. A few massive blowouts. And again, I got to the start of 22 and I said, okay, this year, I'm going to try something a little bit different. I'm going to do in the quarter, like the end of every quarter, I usually will go away or do something. Um, I'll drink when I'm away and have fun. But when I'm here and I'm working, no drinking. That worked for the first quarter. Second quarter, I had a few blowouts during it. Third quarter, I completely fucked it. And by the fourth quarter, I was just drinking as normal. <laughs> um, so, you know, I was like, okay, I tried that. Didn't work. You know, there was a lot of stupid things I did that year. It was a very stressful year. So I said, okay, well, 23, I'm just going full sober again. And I ended 23 now. And I can say that was the most stressful year of my life. But I'm glad that it was it was stressful and I could handle it because I didn't have those emotional ups and downs and yeah. you know the regret of making decisions when you piss that you wish you didn't make and all the rest of it yeah and like sort of obviously saying that as well obviously doing that consistent and that stress 
as well. Yeah. And obviously as tradies are like everything, their first instinct, they have a stressful day. They go home, crappy, crack a beer. Like mm. what is your way of releasing now or like controlling that without that wanting to just go, Oh, this will make me relax. This will take the stress off everything. Mm, it's interesting. I've never, I don't drink to relieve stress. So I, I don't, I don't really have an experience share on that. Like I've only ever been a binge drinker. So when I drink, it's like I drink to get fucked up. That's the only reason I drink. I don't just go home and crack a, you know, a, a, a two, two E's and, and sit on the lounge. So I've never been that guy. Um, you know, my brother is one of those people. Like he loves a, loves a beer and, and dad was also growing up, loved a beer of an Arvo. Um, for me to relieve stress, like, and, and anxiety is like training is a big thing for me. So if I don't train, um, you know, like that, my day is just much more anxious and, and much more stressful than it would have been if I just trained. So I think knowing that and hypothetically speaking, if I was a tradie and I, um, you know, went home and, and knew that I was going to have two or three beers in my head, I'd know that I wasn't going to get up in the morning and train, which would make me anxious, which would mean I wouldn't drink because I'd want to get up and train. So I'd, um, I think that's what you have to do, right? You have to tie you have to tie a negative outcome to, um, to to drinking. And my negative outcome to drinking is like I make stupid decisions. I spend a lot of money on shit that I shouldn't spend money on. I, um, you know, completely wreck the rest of, rest of my week because of the, the anxiety and the stress and, the, you know, all the stuff that comes with it. Um, and that is way more detrimental to me than six hours of, of good times. So, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. You got that discipline instilled in you now, as you said to build up over those years to keep oh, man. it consistent. Now, now I've done it, like coming into, you know, this end of year and having a couple of weeks of drinking, I was really nervous. I was like, I was really nervous about drinking again. I was like, fuck, do I really want to do this? You've got so much momentum. And, you know, do you really now want to risk all that just for a couple of good times? And then those thoughts start playing around in your head, which I was fascinated in because it's like, fuck, now this is like, you've got yourself out of the let's go and drink. And now you're scared to drink because of the, the impact that you potentially have, um, which is, which is unreal. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's nearly doing the opposite. Like, Oh fuck, I just won't drink then. I just won't drink. Cause it's bringing you. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And mate, it's, it's actually a really good conversation starter as well. So if you go to a party, a lot of people go, oh, how do you go out and how do you, you know, socialize? Um, you know, you just say, when they say to you, do you want to drink? No, no, I'm not drinking. I'm sober at the moment. Oh, you're sober. Wow. Fascinating. Tell me more about that. Like, why are you sober? You know, like, so um, it's an awesome conversation starter. Yeah. And again, it depends on the people you hang around and all the rest of it. If you hang around a bunch of bogan tradies, they're like, ah, mate, fuck, I can get one India, you know? Like, <laughs> but if you hang around good people, like they're really interested in it. So, yeah. um, you know, I've been I've been the person who's hung around. You know, I've been, I've, again, I'm I'm a tradie at heart. I've had all those friends like that, um, and that's why it's also very important to as you start to grow as an individual and you know you, you grow your business and all the rest of it, grow your life. You start to also grow different friends and and, and the people you sort of hang around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and again, it gets surrounded by the like-minded people. You would say as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And, 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 you know, I think people also get it wrong. This is another question I get inboxed quite a lot. It's like, oh, how do you find, you know, good people to hang around? If I, I don't have any people who are in business, like they're the friends or I don't know anyone who does, you know, is successful, for example. It's not necessarily about like people being successful and at the pinnacle. I think it's just around people who want similar things to you, you know. So you can hang around with another plumber or another chippy or another 
Leco or another laborer, but if they've also got the same mindset of you of like, I don't want to do this forever. Like I fucking hate this. I want to grow. I love this. You listen to the same podcast and stuff. That's what gets you started, right? Because you're, you, you, you're keeping each other accountable to the life that you, you've told each other that you want. Um, and then, you know, good things happen. Yep. Yep. Sure. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Like it surround be surrounded who you want to be, and not be forced. As you said, that's what happened to you in school. No, hundred percent. A hundred percent. No, beautiful. And then even like quickly just touch on obviously go a bit real estate here, just to wind it back back to where we are now. Like the yeah. your outlook on your industry and that side of the real estate and obviously building um everything costs, obviously skyrocketing, interest rates, all that kind of jazz, just to give everyone a little insight about your knowledge as well. And then they can always jump over to your potty and have a listen. Yeah. Um, so mate, fuck no, uh, no su- surprises to most people. Like yep. debt is way more expensive today than it was two years ago. Yep. Um, most things to do with building is way more expensive today than it was two or three years ago. Um, but it's just a market cycle at the end of the day, you know? So it's, uh, it's not ideal. You know, I, I feel much poorer than I did two years ago. That's for sure. But you know, when, when, when you get through times like this, there's a lot of people who won't get through times like this, you know, especially, you know, there's a lot of building companies and a lot of, a lot of other companies that you're not hearing about through, through the media that are really struggling and, and closing up shop, which is no good. But if you're one of the ones who can continue to push through and, and come out the other side of um, some, some tough economic times, then it, it, it's going to be a very, very fruitful and, and exciting time. So, mate, for me, my focus is just head down, bum up, Cut costs wherever you can, um, you know, continue to, to grow wherever you can. And and um, I heard a really good one the other day. There's a guy by the name of Paul Graham. And uh, he's the founder of a, uh, a startup incubator in the US called Y Combinator. So they were, they were the, the guys that, you know, got Airbnb off the ground and a lot of other unicorn companies. Incredible. And uh, someone asked Paul a question. He said, Paul... You know, with all of these, you know, billion dollar plus startups that you've you've helped get off the ground, like what's the one thing in common that all of these founders have? And he said, they're all like cockroaches. And they're like, what do you mean cockroaches? What the fuck's a cockroach? And he's like, well, they're like cockroaches because even in, you know, a nuclear storm, everyone else is dead and you look down on the ground and there's a fucking cockroach still just getting around, you know? And he's like, they just don't fucking die. And he said, that's what you need to be if you want to be, a, you know, a, a business owner who, la- who who grows a big business. It's like, it's not going to be easy. It's not like, or it, let's hope that you say you have a business that lasts for 40 years. That whole 40 year period is not going to be rosy and apples regardless of how big the business is. You're going to have really good times where you make lots of money and you're going to have fuck times where you lose a lot of money and you probably think you're going to go bankrupt. But he said, the ones who make it are the ones that are just like cockroaches. They just will continue and continue and continue to do everything in their power to make sure that they survive. And that is their only mission. It's just to make sure they survive. Um, And I think that's like an awesome, awesome metaphor is like, you know, when shit's hard, be a cockroach. Yeah. (laughs) Be the cockroach that's left there. (laughs) Literally, man. Fuck. It's so true though, right? There's always fucking cockroaches. And even when you smash those things with like two cans of mortine, they're still like getting around on their back. Like, fuck you. I'm not dying. (laughs) Yeah. They don't give up. Little fuckers. They literally never give up. No. Ever. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's my mentality at the moment. You know, interest rates are going up. Costs of everything are going up. And most people don't feel super rich at the moment, I'm assuming. So yeah. be, be a cockroach. 
Yeah, cockroach and scrams around. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that nothing else you want to touch on, go through? I reckon we've done pretty good, touched on everything pretty pretty nicely. Mate, so do I. Um, not really, no. I mean, like the, the demographic of this ride is mainly mainly tradies or like yeah. people who are just getting their businesses off the ground. Yeah, yeah, tradies, business people looking to level up their life as well, obviously, that are probably the ones that don't, wouldn't talk about it probably. So it's like they mm-hmm. can listen without having to talk about it. Um, so that's what, yeah, my main goal is obviously give them information that they can listen to and reinterpret into their life as such um, without having, because some people do not want to talk think, about it at times. I think for me, like, um, you know, I'm not a special guy. There's nothing like exceptional about me. I'm just a normal fucking person who takes a from people who are in the position or have been in the position that I want to be in and then I implement it. So, um, you know, like I listen to a lot of podcasts like all, all the time and podcasts are no good if you're just absorbing the information and not doing anything with the information. So there's going to be 99% of this podcast most people listen to and we'll get nothing out of and that's totally fine. But if you get 1% out of any podcast that you're listening to, you need to implement that 1%. I think that's something that I've done not really well, but well enough, you know, like I've, I'm not the smartest dude. Um, not, you know, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon, all that stuff, but I've just listened to certain things and been like, okay, I'm going to see if that works. And then you just implement it. And then like, eventually it works. So like to give you the idea on the sobriety things, we touched on that. I had a, a business coach by the name of Jeff Jowett. He grew a mega business, 50 million bucks a year plus. Um, it's a company called Body Trim. You probably would have seen him on Sunrise or something like that on those fucking walkers where he's like, hey, come on, lose yeah. 10 kilos or whatever. He's the man, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I said to him in one of our coaching sessions in late, uh, late 2020, I said, mate, like, if there's one thing that I can do next year to, like, grow my business and grow my life, what is it? He said, get off the piss. Now, 99.9% of people would have been like, okay, I'll get off the piss for three months and not do it. But I was like, if he told me to do it and I'm paying this motherfucker five grand a month, whatever it was, I'm going to do what he says. (laughs) So I did it and you know, it worked and that was a reinforcing thing. Um, So that, I think that's what it's all about. It's like just listening to things and going, okay, I'm going to give this a crack and actually executing and implementing Um, Gary Vaynerchuk with creating content. He told me to do it. He didn't tell me, but obviously he told the world to do it. And I took the information and I did something with it. And then obviously good things happen. Um, so that's what I think it's all about. It's about absorbing, doing what, you know, you, you or, or, or taking notice of the things that mean something to you and then actually running with it and executing on it. Yeah. That's yeah. key. Yeah. Implementing, not just listening. hundred percent, bro. Yeah, for sure. It's called mental masturbation. That's what, uh, that's what podcasts are. They get yeah. you all geared up. They get your toey in your mind, but if you don't do anything with it, I ain't doing fuck all in your life. Yeah, for sure. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Uh, thank you anyway for coming on. I really appreciate Legend. it. Up really time, appreciate being it, Being a busy man. And good hustle too at 6am in the morning. I like that shit. It's got to get it done nice and early, out of the way, and if I can win the rest of the day. 100%. Seven minutes to seven. Now I'll go and have a shower and I'll be in the office by 7.30. How good's that? Can't beat that. Beautiful, bro. Thanks, uh, Legend. Appreciate send it. Me the, um, send me the raw files of this too and I'll chop it up into, into content with the team. For sure.